Hey, thanks for joining us today for our sermon via podcast. Today we start a three-week series called Gratitude. It's about living with a thankful heart. There's some interesting things that happen to our lives when we begin to live with gratitude. Let's listen as Pastor Rick gets this sermon series kicked off. Well, good morning. It is good to see you. Take your Bibles and open to the 42nd chapter of the book of Job. And we're going to be looking at a lot of different passages of Scripture, but that's where we're going to land when we close our sermon out today. And so go ahead and just mark that spot. Uh, we are starting a three-week series on gratitude. And some interesting things start to happen in our life when we begin practicing gratitude. And all kinds of studies have been done, but maybe one of the most interesting ones that i would never seen before was done by the University of uh, Indiana. And they begin to look at all the very well-known benefits of practicing gratitude. Here are some of the things that happen to people who practice gratitude. They're happier, less depressed, they're healthier, physically healthier, they sleep better, this, they have a greater hope for the future, and they build stronger relationships in life. But these two guys at the University of Indiana looked at all this information and said, this has basically been done with healthy people. What do you do with people who are already struggling? And so they decided on the University of Indiana's campus to find 300 people who had asked for counseling. They were already struggling with something. And they divided those 300 people up into three groups of 100. They were all going to receive the same counseling. But the first group was going to be required to write a letter of gratitude every week. One letter. Second group would journal all their negative thoughts, and the third group wouldn't do anything but just receive the counseling. And what happened in the lives of those people who wrote the letter of gratitude was astounding. First of all, they found freedom from negative emotions and toxicity in their life because they began to see how really blessed they were when they took the time to write the letters. And they found that being grateful was healthy, even if it wasn't shared. Because here's what I didn't tell you. They didn't have to mail the letters. All they had to do was write the letters. And simply expressing the gratitude changed their lives, even if they never expressed it to anyone other than themselves. But the most astounding thing was what happened to their brains. Because as these people were working through this program, they monitored their brain activity. And, and they found that the, the brains of the people who practiced gratitude showed the biggest amount of change. They saw uh, activity in the medial prefrontal cortex, which is the area of decision making and learning. That these areas improved. What really blew these guys away was how long this lasts. So the program ends and they keep going back and they keep looking at the brains of these people and the changes in their life. And for three consecutive months, they continue to see the positive impact of just living with gratitude. So look right here at me. Outside of following Jesus and knowing him, the greatest thing you could ever do in your life to change your life would be simply be grateful. I was just seeing if anyone was there. Maybe there was a plexiglass wall right here. I wasn't sure. Uh, well, listen, do you get the significance of that? That you can change your life simply by practicing gratitude. 
And we know that gratitude is healthy for us. But in reality, there are seasons of life where it's just really difficult to be grateful. Uh, Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 for us to give thanks in every circumstance. Again, in Ephesians 5.20, Paul wrote again to, to give thanks for everything. But how, how do you do that? How do, how, do you, how do you give thanks? How do you be grateful when you find yourself in the dark valley filled with the giants of loss, suffering, disappointment, loneliness, where gratitude has given away to simply surviving? So what we're going to focus on today is how, how do we be grateful? How do we give thanks when life hurts? Would you pray with me? Father, we, uh, we love the fellowship, the excitement, the worship. But Father, we come for something to change our lives. And that comes from your word. And I, I pray today as we look at your word that um, we could be honest. Sometimes that hurts. Uh, we could take inventory. Father, we'd be a able to make application where necessary in Jesus' name. Amen. So how is it possible to give thanks when my life hurts or when life hurts? So I want you to think for a moment about all the times in life when we give thanks. And we're going to start really simply. Uh, most of us learn to give thanks at the table. Uh, we're taught that when someone puts food in front of you, and maybe you pause, maybe you do it silently, maybe you do it as a family, but one of the first places we ever learn to give thanks is for what's on the table in front of us. And then the good things that come to life, right? You have a baby, you thank God for it. You get a raise at work, you thank God for it. Man, sometimes you look at, at your home and the things God has given you, and you give thanks for it. And if you step back and look at that, and you kind of look at my life and your life, we find that most often in life, the times that we give thanks is when God is doing what we want. Um... When he is serving us well. And when we believe that God isn't serving us well, then gratitude is really hard to find. Um, so I want you to listen to this statement. When I was working on this message, uh, this statement impacted me in a great, great way. It is not mature gratitude to thank God for what he has given you. That's just good manners. I want you to let it sink in. When the table's full... And you give thanks. That's just good manners. When there's some blessing that comes to life, right? The doctor's report's good. And you go, oh, God, thank you. That's just good manners. Let me see if I, I can illustrate it for you. Uh, last Monday night was Halloween. And uh, we have some odd situations. We had a, a, one of the, my daughter's husbands was out of town. She had three kids, and it was more than she could handle. And then we had one kid staying with us because his mom was in the hospital. And uh, so we all went to Mustang, and we're going to take all four kids trick-or-treating and just have fun. It's been a long time since I've been trick-or-treating, <laughs> right? A long time. And uh, the one I had responsibility for was two. So, so for all intents and purposes, this is his first trick-or-treat ever, right, to comprehend what's going on. Trick-or-treating changed a lot. I don't know how long it's been since you've been, but it's changed a lot. We're at these really nice houses. You walk up and nobody's home, and they got a big old tub of candy sitting out there with the sign on it that says, take what you want. Well, if that had been true when I was trick-or-treating, that would have lasted two trick-or-treaters, right? <laughs> take what you want. 
And so we're walking up, and I want you to be a two-year-old for a second. You're walking up, and there's a tub of candy, and nobody around, and you can't read the sign that says, take what you want. But in your mind, it's take what you want. That's heaven. That's heaven. And watch this. Sometimes the blessing can be so big, we forget to say thank you. Because we're grabbing. We're grabbing. Right. And, and then we'd go to a house and there'd be somebody home and they're handing out full-size candy bars, like king-size candy bars. And, and again, these eyes get this big. And it's grab. And here I am. I'm looking. I'm going, Oliver, 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 look at me. Look at me. Right? <laughs> Give me that candy bar. No, no. <laughs> look at me. Say thank you. Say thank you. And he'd look up at him and he'd go, thank you. And they'd go, oh, give him another one. Give him another one, right? <laughs> right? Now, we did this for two hours, which was way too long. But, again, it was exciting stuff. And here's what happened over the course of two hours. Over the course of two hours, I eventually quit saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. He began to connect the gift with the thank you. We know nobody looked at him that whole night and said, what a grateful kid. You know what they said? Good manners. Because it's just good manners to say thank you when you get something nice. Spiritually, the same thing is true. Now I want you to watch this. We see this in the life of the children of Israel and their interaction with Moses. Uh, Moses is leading the children of Israel out of Egyptian captivity, but it's more than just a coming out. It's also a going into. What were they going into? They had forgotten God. 400 years of Egyptian captivity and, and what the Egyptians believed had really just filled their life. They had forgotten God. So Moses has this task not only of leading them out and away from Egypt, but to reinitiate their faith in God, to get them to a place where they understood what God was. Now here's the deal. Look at that as parenting. One of the things Moses is going to have to teach those new believers is good manners. Thank God. Now, what was 400 years in Egyptian captivity like? Well, you didn't have much. Hardly anything. Matter of fact, at the end, they were starving them out. And so listen to what Moses says in Deuteronomy 8.10. He says, when you've eaten and you are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he's given you. Okay, so, so what's he saying? Look at me, look at me, look at me. Say, thank you. That's good manners. Right, and we do that long enough, and this is where you and I are. And you don't have to say that, look at me, look at me, look at me anymore. We've just got it, right? We've been taught good manners, good manners. But here's our problem. We've mistaken good manners for real gratitude. Listen to this. I'm telling you, this stuff set me on my ear. Right, so where do you learn real gratitude? Well, see, here's what Moses taught the children of Israel. He taught them how to respond for the, for the good food. For the good job, for the healthy family, for the good doctor's report, for the. That's easy. That's good manners. Nothing wrong with good manners. I don't want you to go, man, he's just hammering us. No, nothing wrong with good manners. Everybody needs good manners, right? You definitely don't want to be a follower of Jesus and not have good manners. Nothing wrong with good manners. Just don't stop there. Push further than good manners. So who do you find in Scripture that pushed further than good manners? You find David. 
and David teaches us what it's like to be grateful when it's even though. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I lost my job, even though my mate left me, even though somebody I love died, even though all of this doesn't make any sense, I will still be grateful. This is the book of Habakkuk chapter 3. Listen to this. This is, this is just amazing. Even though the fig trees should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vine. So I want you to track this with me. First of all, every vegetative thing died. Even though the olives should fail and the fields produce no food, there is now nothing to eat. Even though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stall, now we got no meat. Yet will I exalt in the Lord, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Now we've moved into mature gratitude. So what's the difference between good manners and mature gratitude? How do we get to the place where we could live that life that Habakkuk is talking about where the bottom's falling out of everything and still have gratitude in our hearts. Well, here it is. We walk in darkness depending on the light God showed us in the last season of life. And this is why the Bible reading plan is so important. This is why connect groups are so important. This is why church attendance is so important. Is that the maturity re we reach when life is good. Look up here at me. Do not waste the good season. Right, we were talking between services with one of the ministers and I were talking. He says, listen, it seems like everybody I know has got something hard going on in life right now. Don't waste the good season because hard times will come. What do we do with the good season? We grow. We take what we get during the season of light to endure the season of darkness. And look at me. Look up here. If you've wasted, if you've wasted the season of light... The season of darkness will take you under. It'll take you under. I love what Paul said in chapter 4, Philippians, verses 11 and 12. Paul says, I've been rich. Right? I've had plenty. And I've also had nothing to eat. And then he says this. I have learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. Here's what he didn't say. I was born content. Just born that way. No. Paul said, I had a lot, and I had nothing. And I've gotten to the place in life where I've learned, right? This is a journey. This is a process where I have learned contentment. Paul did not waste the season of prosperity, but put back spiritual resources for hard times, because hard times are always coming. Number two, gratitude is about thanking God for His presence. So we go back to those two verses that I, I read to you at the beginning about thanking God in every circumstance. And, and the Apostle Paul wrote those words. And I want you to realize a couple of truths about the life of the man who wrote them. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul outlines uh, what his life was like after he began to follow Jesus. He says, I was beaten with lashes 40 times. Okay, So they took a whip and they beat him 40 times with it, five times. 200 lashes. He goes on to say, I was beaten with rods three times. They caned him. Can't, you understand that a man that's been beaten with a whip 
40 times, 5 times, and Cain 3 times is probably crippled. You get that, right? We don't have any pictures of Paul. He didn't write out, this is what it did to me. But you got to understand that a man who's been through that, his body is probably crippled at this point. He goes on to say, Three times I was shipwrecked. I've been stoned. My fellow Jews have tried to kill me. I've been hungry. I've been misunderstood. I've been persecuted. I was in prison for years. I have a thorn in my flesh that I can't even talk about. And ultimately, Paul was beheaded. And this is the guy who says, give thanks and everything. What? How? How? And this is where we begin to learn that maturity is loving the presence of God more than the provision of God. Okay? We push in just a little deeper. The presence of God more than the provision of God. Now, being a grandparent is a great thing. And I learned really quickly how to get your grandkids to love you. Right? So, if you're wondering how that happens, it's super simple. Here's the formula. Ice cream. Okay? Get a bowl of ice cream. Get them that first bite of ice cream. They'll follow you anywhere. Right? As long as you have ice cream. Because the, the downside of that is when... when you are loved for what you can provide. You're only loved until someone can provide more and better. Oh, I need you to hear it. That's the world we live in. God, I love you until something in this world can provide more and better. I'll worship you until something provides me more and better. Right? Look at our lives. We're like that toddler. Yeah. I got vanilla ice cream and somebody's over here going, I got cookie dough. It's more and it's better. See ya. And that's where we are spiritually many times in our lives. When we first meet God, we love him for all the things that, uh, that God gives us. But as we grow and we mature, we begin to fall in love with the presence of God. Just being in the presence of God. I want you to think about Paul again. In chapter 3 of Philippians, he's talking about, I put all these things behind me. I put all these things behind me. And I reach forward. I strive. And he says, for one thing. One thing. Chapter 3, verse 10 tells us what that one thing is. That I may know him. Look at me. I've had the provision of God. And it pales in comparison to the presence of God. I live to know him. That's all I want. That's Paul. He had learned that the presence of God is way better than the provision of God. So the test of maturity in our life is when we lose the provision of God. You want to know where you are with God? Look up here at me. Just We'll be honest with each other because I'm going to be honest about my life in just a minute. You want to know where you are with God? Lose your provision. Watch what it does to your relationship with God. Hard times reveal the true nature of faith. And that will make you glad you were saved by grace. You let something touch our provision and we'll look like a two-year-old who didn't get what they wanted. We yell at God. We question God. We get angry at God. And then there's Job, right? He lost his wealth. Most of us, that would be all it took. Then he lost his health. And then he lost his kids. I really need you to see it. 
Could there be anything worse in life? And somehow, through that incomprehensible season of life, he never lost his faith. Job 121, he said, The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And Job's friends come to him. And that, Man, I really need you to let this sink in. His friends come to him and they say, Curse God and die. Don't you hear me? How bad would your life have to get for the people who know you best to look at you and say, You'd be better off dead? Because that's where Job was. Best friends in life. Curse God and just die, Job. Life's bad. And then in Job 13, 15, Job says, Though he slay me, I will hope in him. This is a man whose love for God is not provision dependent. This is a man who's in love with the presence of God. Last point, we're done. Gratitude makes me realize I still have something to learn. This is where our passage is. I want you to go ahead and, and look with a, a single verse. We're, we're looking at that story of Job and he loses everything. People try to convince him that God is against him, that there's some great sin in his life. And finally God shows up. And uh, after God shows up, Job has this great learning experience in his life. And, and read that with me, uh, chapter 42, verse 5. He says, I have heard of you. By the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. I learned some stuff through hard times and loss that took me from the place as a believer, a person of faith, where I've heard all the lessons and all the Sunday school and all the sermons, and I've heard it, but I never saw you, God. But now I've seen you. Talk to somebody who's walked through the valley, and they'll tell you the same thing. Talk to a believer who's fought cancer, lost a mate, lost a child. And they'll tell you, I thought I knew a lot about God. Until God taught me through pain. Three things we learn. First of all, I learned something about me. I learned something about me. We go through pain, we come out one of two ways. We either come out bitter or sweet. Uh, I see, because of my job, a whole lot of people who experience the unfair side of life. A whole lot of people. First cause to the church. When unfair things happen. And I can tell you. That those who dialogue with God in their pain will come out sweeter. Those who come out bitter can only see the pain. Through Job's pain he learned that he did not know nearly as much as he thought. Right? So if you're familiar with this story when God shows up. Job is embarrassed to even ask a question. I want you to let that sink in. That all this man went through, and he had a million questions, and when God finally shows up, he's embarrassed to even open his mouth. Because he was humbled. He didn't know as much as he thought he knew. Darkest valley I've ever walked through was when I lost my wife. And it taught me some things. Um, it taught me, first of all, that I was not all I thought I was. That my faith was not nearly as strong as I would have thought it was. I learned that I could cry a lot.
I had followed Jesus for years and and I learned that there was some sin that was still very resident in my life that my pain revealed. And I came out of that understanding grace much better because God saw me at my worst. And He loved me anyway. And that's grace. Not only we learn something about ourselves, but we learn something about others. Job had these friends who surrounded him. I really need you to listen to this. Um, with all kinds of advice, and most of it was horrible. Just the worst advice ever. Uh, log that in your brain because your good friends are going to show up with some goofy stuff uh, when you go through things. And these friends, um, they believed they were defending God, but here's what was happening. They were defending their view of God that had been tainted with sin. They had a twisted theology, how they perceived God, and they were defending it. Surely you sinned. Surely you did something wrong. God doesn't do stuff like this to good people. Defending a very broken and twisted view of God. And listen to me, when you go through loss and heartache and pain and suffering, people are going to show up and they're going to throw some twisted theology on you. Just remember that. And there are going to be a lot of people who show up and tell you they'll do anything for you. And they won't do anything for you. But there'll be a handful who will walk through the valley with you. And they will become some of the greatest blessings God gives you. Last thing that we learn is I learned something about God. Job goes through all this loss and in his mind, I'm sure he's like us. He looked at life and said, life will never be good again. His friends tell him life will never be good again. Then God shows up in clarity, comes to his pain. And Job looks back on, on his experience and he said, man, I'd heard about you, but I'd never seen you. I've never really seen God, but now I've seen you with my eyes. And Job saw God because he didn't waste his pain. He dialogued with God. He was open to learning. And then verse 12 of chapter 42 becomes very interesting. Verse 12 says this, The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. I challenge you to do something. I challenge you to find the sweetest people of faith you know. Right? I mean the absolute, the people you want praying for you. The people who when they pray it sounds different. I don't know, maybe it's just me, maybe I'm weird like that. But there's some people when they pray you feel like you've been ushered into the presence of God. Find those people. Find the, the most generous people you know. Right? The people who show up with something in their hand when you need it. And ask them to tell you their story. I'm going to tell you what you're going to find. That the sweetest people of faith you ever meet are going to be the people who have been hurt deeply. They're going to be the people who life has been unfair to. And they walked through the valley. And when they came out the other side, they saw God differently. And it changed their life. I do not know where you are in this season of life. Maybe you look at life and, and you're sitting here today and you wonder how you could ever be grateful. You live with the giant of pain, loss and struggle and its shadow covers everything in your life. One of the great things about having a church family 
you don't ever have to walk alone. You don't ever have to walk alone. Would you bow your heads with me today? I, uh, I needed to hear this message. I needed to be reminded of some simple truth about life. And, and maybe you did too. Maybe you're staring into that big old bucket and it's full, right? And sometimes when it's full, you get so excited that you're reaching and you're grabbing and, and consuming. And you forget, you forget that just good manners, right? Just good manners or you pause and you always look and you say, thank you. Maybe, maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you need to say thank you. Or maybe you're on the opposite end of the spectrum. And man, you have a hard time even wrapping your mind around the ability to be grateful today. And you're going into the holiday season and it feels like your heart's been ripped out. Maybe you need to know somebody's walking with you. Maybe you need your church family to come alongside of you. Our, our pastors are here. They'd love to pray with you today. Maybe God has spoken something entirely different. Maybe, maybe we had people in the last service who came forward for baptism out of last week's message. Maybe that's where you are. You've been struggling with that, dealing with that, and God said, this is what you need to do. Then you do that today. Maybe it's to follow Jesus or plant your life at a church. This time is set aside in the life of our church to respond to God. Right? We worship, we fellowship, we open His Word. we got to do something. How do we respond? This is that time. Father, thank You. Thank You that You have spoken today already. We look forward to You speaking now. Father, we pray for freedom. Freedom for men and women to do what You want them to do today, Father. Boldness and joy in doing it. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand? Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.